you guys have your Bibles with you this evening, I invite you to open up to the book of Proverbs, and we will continue our journey uh, through chapter 1 as uh, as we <coughs> continue to build on what's come before. Last time we took a look at the introduction of the book of Proverbs, and one of the big keys you're going to see coming up over and over again as we work our way through the book is this ideal that God is calling us to wisdom. Uh, and He's going to put it in the the voice of a father to his son. And all you're getting, son, get wisdom. And so we're going to see that. The first nine chapters are all going to be focused on that idea. How do I get wisdom? How do I, how do I apply this? Now what I don't want you to lose sight of is this. In the Bible, wisdom is personified three times in the book of Proverbs. And when it is personified, it becomes an illustration of Christ. In the book of Colossians, it says, All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have all wisdom, all knowledge wrapped up in Christ. And when you look at the call from the book of Proverbs to to leave the way of the fool and walk in the way of wisdom, you can also put into your mind as you look at it this idea that God is calling people to leave the, the self-enthronement, putting ourselves on the throne as God of our life, and to allow Jesus Christ to have that role. So tonight, we're going to take a look at the rest of that first chapter. We'll pick it up in Proverbs 1, beginning at verse 8. We'll read together. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. (coughs) If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We'll fill our houses with plunder. So throw your lot in among us, and we will have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil, and and they make haste to shed blood. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of the bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. A wisdom cries aloud in the street, in the markets she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy street she cries out, at the entrance of the city gate she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you, because I have called and you refuse to listen. I have stretched out my hand, and no one has heeded. But you have ignored all my counsel, and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity, mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm, your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, (coughs) then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. 
They would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore they will eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by the turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Let's pray. Father God, we ask your blessing as we open your word. God, I pray that you would open our eyes, that your spirit would minister to us. God, as we just seek understanding as we open up your word, we ask, God, that you would guide us and lead us and and direct us in and through it all, Lord, as we lay it out before you now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so from here, chapter 1, verse 8, all the way to chapter 9, verse 18, we have a father's admonition or a call to his son to understand or acquire wisdom. Whatever it takes and all you're getting, get wisdom. And keep in mind, we're going to see the personification of wisdom. And when we do, as we see that personification, the person we're going to see is Christ. Now, I'll answer some of those questions as we get there. But here, he begins with an exhortation from a father to a son. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. We talked last time, that word for instruction, also the same word, for discipline, <coughs> the idea of a father's discipline, guiding, directing, showing his child the way in which he should walk. And forsake not your mother's learning. That's a mom pointing out the path. Moms are, are the, the role, if, if you want to call it such, the role here described in the Bible is uh, mom saying, here's the way you ought to walk. And dad disciplining if we get off the way we're supposed to walk. It's no different when you read Psalm 23. What's Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, shall not want. Right? What does it describe? Two things that the Lord uses to guide our path. Your rod and your staff, they do what? They comfort me. Now, both of those, the the idea of rod and staff, do both things. They just gently guide. Hey, nope, don't go over here. Stay here. This is a path we should take. And they also can be used to correct. But they're also used to protect to watch over and keep and make sure that everything is is okay. So we see the work of a family together raising up their children, pointing them in the direction of wisdom. And there's a reason for it. Look what it says. For the graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. What's the the idea is is simply this. When we allow this work of obedience in our life, it's going to decorate our life. It's going to be a pleasing experience for those who come to meet us who know us because (coughs) when they look at us they'll see the the benefit of having that instruction well in proverbs chapter 4 verse 3 it tells us that this is a role for parents in the lives of their children it says in proverbs 4 3 when i was a son with my father tender the only one in the sight of my mother he taught me and said Let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. It's always, always the the illustration within uh, a family is the illustration of uh, or or recognizing and understanding what a father is supposed to be. Why God is described to us as God the Father. Because all these things that he calls fathers to do, to instruct their children, to love them, to guide them, to correct them, to train them. All of these things are things God does. It's not that God is asking us to do something. Well, I don't, I'm not going to do that. But I want you guys to do it. No, that's not how God is. What God is calling us to 
<clears throat> is to see the picture or the illustration in the life of a father. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, you have what's called the Shema. The hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one God. And there's this, this is a description he gives in verse 5. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So the seed of your emotion. And you will, what's that next phrase? Teach them. How? Diligently. You've got to teach them. You've got to make them a part of what you're doing. Diligently to who? Your children. Teach them to your kids. Show, uh, and you will talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You'll put them as a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. Well, what is it that he's talking about? Well, <clears throat> the idea of frontlets between your eyes is that the Word of God should be your headlight. It guides you. The idea of it being on your hands is that the things I do should be, should find their foundation in the Word of God. Look, we can all stand up and say, I'm a believer. I put my faith and trust in Christ. But in verse 7 of Proverbs chapter 1, we are told that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is that ideal of reverence, of, of ultimately speaks of obedience. I had somebody ask me, what, is, what does that mean, fear of the Lord? How, how did you show fear? Let's just, we take it back to the family. How did you show fear to your father? How did you show your father you reverenced him or, or whoever was that figure in your life that provided that correction? How did you show him? Well, my, my dad could care less what I wore. Some people say the way we revere God is we wear a suit and a tie and we get all dressed up and we give the Lord our best. And maybe that's the, the era from which you sprang. But for me, my dad could care less if I wore a suit, a tie. He, what he wanted to know was if he asked me to do something, did I do it? That's what the fear of the Lord is. And it's not the end of wisdom, it's what? The beginning of wisdom. So the beginning of wisdom <clears throat> is to say, I'm going to obey God. How am I going to obey God? I'm going to obey what He's told me. How do I know what God's told me? Where's that at? In the Word of God, right? So I open up the Word of God. Now, does the Word of God call me to some things I, uh, maybe I don't understand? Maybe I say, I don't understand why this is right or wrong. I don't understand how this all works. Does, does that absolve me? Do I then say, well, then I don't have to obey it because unless he can prove to me why I should do that, why should I do it? Well, because your Father in heaven asked you to. That's the beginning of wisdom. And, and what does he call the Father, our Father, as fathers? What does he call us to do? Now take those things and teach them to your kids. Teach your kids about the things God's shown you. Teach your kids when? When you rise up, when you lie down, when you're sitting in the way. What's that, what's that describe? Everything in, in family life. Either getting up, laying down, or laying in a lazy boy. All those possible things are opportunities in which we can show what God's Word says to one another. It's a call. And this is what we see in verse 8. A father saying to a son... Get wisdom. You need to have this relationship, this reality of a relationship with God. <coughs> Don't stray from what your mother teaches. Don't run away from your father's instruction because you're going to have a good life. Not maybe easy, but it'll be good. It'll be good. We see that in Proverbs 6.20, this call for mothers, 
in teaching, pointing out the right direction to go. It says, my son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Look, there's, there was a, a purpose for both in the, God's purpose and plan for a family. It is a family to picture life, that brings life, that has life in it and a part of it. And what did that require? A father and a mother. And the father had a role. What was that? Discipline and instruction. The mother had a role. What was that? Teaching. See, they work together. They work together. They come together to, to see <clears throat> these little ones that God gifts us with to grow and become the men and women God wants them to be. Proverbs thirty-one twenty-six says this. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Describing the woman, this this act and role within a woman. So now we see this call from mom and dad telling their son, don't lose sight of the illustration. Son, get wisdom. Whatever you do, understand the things we're telling you. Stay on the path you need to stay on. Stay, stay walking on this road. And we want to, the goal is that we want to be there. Now he's going to turn. He's going to say a warning. Here's some of the instruction. Here is some of the teaching. What is that? Avoid easy and unjust gains. Avoid the call or the enticement of the fool. Now, what did a fool say in his heart? There is no God. We're going to see three different terms used. Tonight, we'll see three different terms used to describe uh, the simple, um, the scorner, or the scoffer, and the fool. Each one means something different. So as we take a look, this is the call. Look at verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, don't consent. Now, have, has this been an experience for anyone? Have you ever had somebody who is all about doing wrong want to entice you to come do wrong with them? So that's not something new, right? Well, is, it, is everyone doing drugs happy just to do drugs by themselves, or do they usually want somebody to come do it with them? Or if somebody is going to go rob, rip somebody off, they just want to do it by themselves? <coughs> he says, look, if people entice you to do what is wrong, do not consent. Look at verse 11. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Now, what do they have in mind? It's not good, right? Lying and wait for blood. This, is, this means somebody's getting beaten and we're taking what they have. And ultimately, they're, they're describing murder. It says they're going to let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. This is not somebody who done something wrong. This is just somebody who has something you want. Like Sheol, which is a term in Hebrew for the grave or the abode of the dead. <clears throat> like the grave, let us swallow them alive. What's that talking about? The grave swallows who? Not usually the living. Who's it swallow? The dead. So how are we going to be like the grave? We're going to kill them. We're going to kill them. We'll be like those who go down to the pit. We will find all their goods. Look at it. We'll find all precious goods. We'll fill our houses with plunder. We'll have all their stuff. So throw your lot in with us and we'll have one big purse. So this is the enticement of the fool. Now what did a fool say? A fool said in his heart, there is no God. Let me ask you this. What is the basis of morality in your life? Now let me tell you this. If the basis of morality in your life is not God, then you are left with absurdity. Because apart from God, you can't tell me why this is wrong. Now with God, I can say this is wrong. Why? Because God says it's wrong to shed innocent blood. 
because it's wrong to steal, because it's wrong to do these things. But if I give up God, what, where does morality come from? Where does it spring forth from? If morality doesn't come from God, it comes from me. And if I'm the one who decides and I want to go do this, then I can say what I want to do is moral. Let's go do it. Hey, let the strong survive. If I'm stronger, if, if we as a group or a gang are stronger than them, we, take, we can beat them down, take what they got. No? Is that not how we got this country? Isn't it not how we got the land? Moral or not? The, the funny thing is, a lot of times, you know, we, we like to, or at least in the past, we used to walk around and call ourselves a Christian nation. And at least when we did that, I could say, well, here's the problem. I can point to the areas where we were living inconsistent with a Christian worldview. I can say when we did that to these people, that was inconsistent with a Christian worldview. I could point to the morality and say, God says this is not okay. And I can read it plainly and understand it plainly. But if I get rid of God, if I put God off, everything's okay. What, what do we say? Every atheist gives the same argument. Every atheist's same argument is society decides. Well, perfect. By that exact formula, you have no way to condemn Hitler for what he did. Because that whole society was with him. No? Yeah, he's in power. They're all doing what he said. They're going on their merry way. He's not the only one. How about Stalin? How about Genghis Khan? I don't care what guy you pick. Pick any guy out of history. If we put God out, so the enticement of the fool is, hey, forget about this God stuff. Forget about this morality stuff. Let's come and do what we want. I got a great idea. We'll get a bunch of people and we'll just stand in the middle of a freeway and stop traffic. We'll wear little black masks and we'll call for, for the, the rise of socialism, whatever. Once you pitch God, everything goes. <coughs> and once you've done that, you're left with absurdity. You cannot justify morality. You cannot do it socially. You can't say society decides. You can't say the, the strong decide. Well, if you do, all the things that we today look at and say, you know, that's wrong. You lose the ability to point to and say, you know what, that's wrong. My son, don't go with him. Don't follow him. Don't listen to him. The moral result of a worldview without God is what is described in verses 11 to 14. The moral result of a worldview without God. The aims bloodshed and violence. As sure as the grave, they want to take life. And it's all for easy money. Right? We'll fill our houses with plunder. We'll fill it up. In verse 15, then you have the parents again speaking to their son. <coughs> My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. So the parents saying to the son, don't go that way. Don't go that way. I often say that in life we, we all have a road that we walk. And I don't, I, don't think, I don't believe that all our roads are the same. 
I think, you know, somewhere, somewhere either God or myself picked the road that I'm on, and I, I have this road I'm going to walk. And as I walk that road, as I walk the path laid out before me, I get to choose. I get to decide. where I've been on the road of destruction, and I know where that leads. It leads to broken lives. It leads to broken hearts. It leads to, to loss of life. It leads to, to the blood of the innocent. All of those things were absolutely true in my life. Absolutely, without a, without a doubt, that was true. I know where that road goes. And then along comes Jesus in the guise of wisdom saying, Hey, listen to me. Don't go that way. Come with me. Come with me and, and I'll show you the way to walk. I'll show you the way to live. I'll show you what's right and what's wrong. I'll give you a foundation for that reality. Come with me and leave destruction and come to life. And so I picked the road. I followed, I followed Jesus. And, and the difference is not that that road was hard and the road with Jesus is easy. If somebody sells you that, that's a line. That's baloney. God, no, you're not going to find anywhere in the Bible where God says, come with me and everything will be easy. No. Let me, let me just make it simple for you. Life is hard. That's a fact. The second fact is also true. God is good. Life is hard. God is good. This road is hard. This road is just as hard. But the produce, the fruit of it was life. The fruit of that was death. You guys get what I'm saying? So the parents are saying to their son, don't do it. Don't go down this road. Don't follow this way. This is the enticement of the fool. You decide what's right or wrong. You decide what's good or bad. Where does that take us back to? You remember it says, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth, you remember? <laughs> and in creation, God said, this is all very good. Creation's very good. Then God plants a garden. A garden's perfect. And he puts man in the midst of the garden. Doesn't he? And he says, now listen, the rest of the earth is still a little bit wild. The rest of the earth is still a little bit wild. But, but, but Eden's perfect. And Eden can be the whole earth. Adam and Eve, it can be the whole earth. You can subdue the earth. This is the plan. You go, and I'll be here with you, and it'll be you and me and, and the angels living together, uh, uh, you know, till eternity. I just got one little test. Here's the one little test. Will you believe me when I say that's bad? Or do you want to declare your independence and decide for yourself? So there was a tree in the middle of the garden. We remember the story? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right? And when Eve is, is <coughs> tempted, and she's sitting there and the serpent is trying to lead her astray, she says, oh, if I eat it, I'm going to die. And the serpent said, nah, that's not what God said. If you eat it, you'll become like God. You'll get to decide what's right or wrong. Don't you see from the fall of man, that's the struggle with man? The word of God says, life is, is valuable. That life is, 
is something that should be clung to. The world says life is something that should be snuffed out. And we get together and we get a little party and we get all these people who can argue really well and they sit around and pretty soon we say, you know what, you're right, we should just... We should kill the elderly when they become a burden. We should kill the sick if they become a burden. If, if, little, if our little children are a burden, we should kill them. We should decide all those things. We have the right to do that. Just so you know, that's happened all throughout history, from the beginning to today. And they decide, yeah, this is perfectly acceptable. This is good. We'll decide for ourselves, right or wrong. It's called the Declaration of My Independence and the Bible says, it's the way of the fool. For the fool has said in his heart, there's no God. But God says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Walking in obedience with him, saying, Lord, I need you to tell me what's right from wrong. Every one of my kids would look at me, Dad, you're so dumb. There's no big deal if I do this. It's not a big deal. Any parents ever heard that from kids? And if you haven't, you will. Oh, no, no, it'll be okay. No, no, really, son, that's not going to be okay. Sometimes people say experience is the best teacher. Well, I don't know if she's the best teacher, but her lessons are well remembered. (laughs) And that's what we are reading about in chapter 1. Wisdom's call. Don't go that way. Man's refusal. Ah, I can decide for myself what's right or wrong. How well are we doing so far? Just step back and look at the world and you tell me, how, how are we doing? Yeah, we doing good? It seems like uh, Korea just shot off another missile, didn't they? What do you think they want to do with that? Or the, the Palestinians, what do you think they want to do with the Israelis? Oh, wait, before you just jump on that bandwagon, what do you think the Israelis want to do them? What do you think around the world man wants to do to man? There are two roads, and one leads to destruction and death. You tell me which one they're on. And this is what the call to wisdom is. The call to wisdom, don't go that way. If God (coughs) is not the creator of morality everything is good i want to share with you something from ravi zacharias i always like this it's from his book uh can man live without god but uh it's a poem he quotes in the book it says we believe in marx freud and darwin we believe everything is okay as long as you don't hurt anyone to the best of your definition of hurt And to the best of your knowledge. We believe in sex before, during, and after marriage. We believe in the therapy of sin. We believe that adultery is fun. We believe that sodomy is okay. We we believe that taboos are taboo. We believe that everything's getting better despite the evidence to the contrary. That evidence must be investigated and you can prove anything with evidence. We believe there's something about horoscopes and UFOs and bent spoons. That Jesus was a good man, just like Buddha, Mohammed, and ourselves. He was a good moral teacher, though we think his good morals were bad. We believe that all religions are basically the same. At least the one we read was. 
They all believe in love and goodness. The only matters on which they differ is creation, sin, heaven, hell, God, and salvation. We believe that after death comes, uh, then nothing. Because when you ask the dead what happens, they say nothing. And if death is not the end, if, if the dead have lied, then it's compulsory heaven for everyone, excepting, of course, Hitler, Stalin, and maybe Genghis Khan. We believe in Masters and Johnson. <coughs> that what is selected is average. What's average is normal. What's normal is good. We believe in total disarmament. We believe that there are direct links between warfare and bloodshed. Americans should beat their guns into tractors, and the Russians will be sure to follow. We believe that man is essentially good. It's only his behavior that lets him down. And this is the fault of society. Society is the fault of conditions. Conditions are the fault of society. We believe that each man must find the truth that is right for himself. Reality will adapt accordingly. The universe will readjust and history will alter. We believe that there is no absolute truth, excepting the truth that there is no absolute truth. We believe in the rejection of creeds, the flowering of individual thought. So if chance is the father of all flesh, disaster is his rainbow in the sky. And when you hear state of emergency, sniper kills ten, troops on the rampage, the whites go looting, Bomb blasts a school. It is just the sound of man worshiping his maker. Because if we turn from God, we accept absurdity. That becomes the rule. That becomes the guide. Listen to the illustration that the parents give the son. Verse 17 for in vain a net is a net spread in the sight of any bird. When you, you want to catch a bird, don't put the trap up in front of them. Put the trap up, put some food in it. Don't let the bird see you put it together. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessor. Where does that road go? To destruction. Even if you get off all the way through life and nobody ever busts you and you get away with it all, you're going to stand before your Creator. And the road you're on does not lead to life. Even if it doesn't happen while you're here. That road only goes one place. And what was in the wake on that road? Death and destruction, bloodshed, right? Everywhere that they went. It's describing for us in verse 17 to 19 that these guys, these robbers, these people who have rejected God, rejected morality, rejected the truth, are laying a trap for themselves. And they're going to catch themselves in their own trap. And that trap is destruction. And nobody does it without God saying, stop. Don't do that. Stop doing those things. I always think, when I think about God's hands reaching out to us, I I think about, you guys ever seen Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? 
The old one. I, I don't know the new one. I, I don't think I ever saw the new one. But you remember, I don't remember which kid it was, but there's a scene when one of the kids is doing something wrong and Willy Wonka is calmly saying, stop, don't do that. Stop doing that. Don't, that's a bad idea. Whatever the things he's saying and totally being ignored. And every time I think about how often God says those same things to us, stop. He's not beating you over the head with a stick. He's not throwing a bolt of lightning into your back. He's not smoking. Maybe he should, but he's not. He's just calmly saying, stop, 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 stop. The road you're on doesn't go where you want to go. If I want to get to Hawaii, I don't get on a plane for Florida. Or I'm not going to get to Hawaii. If I'm on a road that leads to destruction, that road is never going to lead to life. No matter what I do. Now, that moves next to a warning about disregarding wisdom. Now here is one of those personifications of wisdom, guys. Listen. Wisdom cries aloud in the street in the market. She raises her voice at the head of the noisy street. She cries out at the entrance of the street, of the city gates. She speaks. Now I always get asked this every time, so I'll preempt the, the strike. Well, if wisdom is an illustration of Jesus, why is it feminine? Why is it she? Why is it her? Well, because it is a, 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 a feminine noun. The word wisdom in, the, in Hebrew is feminine, so it's always her. Like some, it's like this. Like Sometimes people talk about their car as a she or the boat as a she. Why do we do that? Because somewhere back where English came from, those phrases were feminine nouns. It has nothing to do with gender. Has no, it's just in order for the sentence to make sense in the language that it's written in. Some words are masculine. Some words are feminine. Wisdom is feminine. So the idea here, her is just, <coughs> is, it has nothing to do with gender. It's just speaking in the voice of the, the grammar that's being used. So wisdom cries aloud in the street. Just begging, screaming, crying, stop. Stop. Don't do that. Stop. Don't make those choices. Don't go that direction. Don't go that way. Stop. 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 Nobody is going to stand before their maker on the day in which mankind is judged and be able to look at him and say, why didn't you ever tell me this was bad? You know what Romans 1 says? Romans 1 says that you'll know you'll be governed not by the law. You'll be judged not by the law, but by your conscience. Let me make that simple for you. Did you ever do something that your conscience told you not to do? And God is going to ask you this question. Then why did you do it? Because I'm declaring my independence. I'm going to decide what's right or wrong. I'm going to make the decisions for what's good or bad. But here the picture, what's the picture? Wisdom personified stands in a public place crying out exhorting any who will listen, warning them of the destruction that lies ahead of them. <clears throat> in Proverbs, you're going to see this personification of wisdom in Proverbs 1, Proverbs 8, and Proverbs 9. So we'll get to, to look at it a few times as we go through the book. The exhortation is in a public, public places. What does that mean? That, the, that wisdom is for everyone, everywhere. Anyone who will, what's wisdom say? Listen to my reproof. 
Anyone who will listen to me saying, stop, go that way and turn around. Stop going that way, turn around. You know a real short word for that? Repent. You ever heard that one before? For Jesus commands all men everywhere to repent and believe. Stop going that way. Stop running down that road. In verse 22, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long, O scoffers, will you delight in your scoffing? And fools will hate knowledge. But if you will turn at my reproof, if you'll change your direction and come toward me, I will pour out my spirit to you. Who's that sound like? I'll pour out my spirit to you and I'll make my words known to you. I'll give you understanding. I'll give you wisdom. <coughs> How long simple? That word for simple is the word for naive. Naive. Those who don't know better. Those who don't understand yet. The word for the scoffer is a word for defiance and rebellion. And the word for the fool is a moral statement. A moral statement because the fool has said in his heart what? There is no God. I get to decide for myself what I will do. So what's happening in verse 23? Wisdom is giving an invitation. Come! The road you're on will kill you. Come to me. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you... It doesn't sound like familiar words you've heard before. Listen to my reproof. Don't go that way. Don't follow that path. Don't follow these things. Turn back to me and live. Why should you die? This is the call of God. To who? Everyone. Where? Everywhere. That's the call of God. Asking, calling men to turn at my reproof. Look at verse 24. So because I have called and you refuse to listen, I have stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof, then I will laugh at your calamity. I'm going to give you what you want. Look, nobody goes to hell without earning it. And they go there stepping over the body of a God who died for them so they didn't have to. Saying as they do so, I will not have this man rule over me. I will not have this God rule over me. So what do we have in verse 24, 25, 26? What's he's talking about? He's talking about, well, what happens when you reject the invitation? What happens when the invitation has gone out and you reject it? No, I don't, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to follow that. I'm not, I can't hear you. It's not, that's not what I'm about. I'm going to reject the invitation. Well, he says, I've held out my hands to you and your road's going to lead to calamity. And when it comes, he says, I'm going to laugh. And I'll mock you when terror strikes you. When the terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. What's he saying? I told you where the road was going. I told you where the road was going. I asked you to come off. I asked you to turn back toward me. I told you. Now in the middle of that calamity, I'm not going to save you. Once man has entered into the gates of hell, there's no salvation. You chose the road. You rejected wisdom. You rejected knowledge. You rejected God. You decided you were going to decide for yourself what's right or wrong. <clears throat> and in that place, 
God's not going to snatch you out. There's not a last second Hail Mary that God pulls you out of the fires of hell. If you earned hell, God says, I'll laugh, I'll mock, but I'm not saving. And there, trust me, they say that there are no atheists in a foxhole. You guys ever heard that? You know what that means, right? You're in the middle of war, bombs going off, bullets flying. Everybody's calling out to God. Everybody. I did my time in the Marine Corps. I even went in the Marine Corps as a, what did they say? They asked, my dog tags, I have to find my dog tags. I forget how they put it. But it was, I went in no faith. Remember, when I went in the Marine Corps, I was mad. So they asked me, I'm a Christian? No. I'm not a Christian. I'm nothing. So no pref, I think is what it said. No pref on my dog tag. So that was me. And there's nobody who was with me in the Marine Corps is going to say, man, that Jackie, he's just a really godly guy. Not one person. They found me <clears throat> on Facebook and had a stroke when they looked on my page and said, pastor for occupation. So... All of them, they didn't know, that's not the person they knew. And when we were in all the mess, and the mud, and the blood, let's just say not, nobody laying out there is, has the same attitude. When it's all going down, yeah, all of a sudden you remember God's name. You remember Sunday school. You remember all the things anybody ever told you. And all that nonsense goes out the window. Well, let me tell you this. When a man enters into hell, there's no atheist in hell either. None. Because he knows. He knows what he has seen, what's going on. Look what it says in verse 28. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me, but they will not find me. The Bible says now is the time of salvation. Today is the day. Tomorrow's too late. Don't wait for tomorrow. Hear the voice of wisdom calling, saying, turn around. Change your direction. Come home. Come back to the one who made you, the one who knows how you, how you fit together, how you work. <coughs> well, Jackie, I don't know if this is really God speaking. Well, well, let's take a look. Isaiah 62, verses 2 through 5. This is definitely God speaking in Isaiah 62. What's he say? I spread out my hands all day to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and making offerings on bricks. They sit in tombs, spend the night in secret places. They eat pig's flesh and broth and tainted meat is in their vessels. They say, keep to yourself. Do not come near to me, for I am too holy for you. These are smoke in my nostrils and a fire that burns all day. That's God talking about Israel. You, you read what wisdom is saying in Proverbs 1. It's not a stretch for me. It's not a stretch to hear the voice of God calling. To reject God is to accept absurdity. So what's the call? What's the purpose of this proverb as we come to the end of it? 29 through 33 what's the point here's the point don't despise wisdom don't reject the call don't be mad that god won't save you out of the depths of hell rather don't go to hell hey here's a good idea repent turn and live 
God says, I have no glory in the destruction of the wicked. God's not excited. We get excited when Osama bin Laden was, was killed. God wasn't excited that day. God says, I don't glory in the destruction of the wicked, but that the wicked would turn, repent, and live. Why? Because God knows whatever the unbeliever faces before him is way worse than whatever we think we put somebody through. And he said, I didn't make that for that purpose. <coughs> Verse 29. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. What was the fear of the Lord again? The beginning of what? The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's walking in obedience to God. They would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. So they wouldn't hear anything I said. Listen to what, how he's describing it. They hated knowledge. All wisdom and knowledge are found where? What does Colossians say? All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ Jesus. So if I reject wisdom and knowledge, who am I rejecting? If I'm rejecting the fear of the Lord, I'm rejecting His counsel. I hate His reproof, His call to repentance. What's He say in verse 31? Therefore they get to eat the fruit of their way. The Bible says it like this in Galatians. <clears throat> Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. This ain't a harvest that God gave them. Who planted that fruit? Who planted it? They did, right? So God says, this is your fruit. You get to eat it. They have the fill of their own devices. <clears throat> These are their own choices. The road that God called them to come off of. It's their road. It's their choices. It's their decisions. Listen to what it says in verse 32. For the simple, the naive, are killed by their turning away. What are they turning away from? The call of wisdom. To do what? Repent. Change direction. Come to me and I'll pour out my spirit on you. Come to me and I'll give you life. But they are holding, they're turning away. Why? The complacency of fools destroys them. A fool says in his heart, there is no God. Hey, I, I'm going to decide what's right or wrong for me. Morality is my decision. I'll tell you what's right. Or I'll tell myself what's right and what's wrong. <clears throat> the complacency of the fool destroys him. But listen to verse 33. This is the point. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and be at ease without the dread of disaster. Whoever listens to me, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. Take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is... Ah. And you will find rest for your souls. Come to me. The same cries of Jesus. He's saying, the road we're on leads somewhere. The book of Proverbs is calling out to the children and to all who will listen. Do you hear the cry of wisdom? Is wisdom calling you to turn? Are there things in your life you know that God is not pleased with? What are you waiting for? How long will you look at the outreached hands of a Savior with nail prints in each palm, holding out His hands to you, saying, Come to me. Come. I have good things for you. 
And how, how long will we say, no, I'm going to decide for myself. I'm going to make my own decision. And my own reasoning tells me there's nothing wrong with what I'm doing. There's nothing wrong with the choices I've made. There's nothing wrong with my life. The amazing thing is this. The Bible says all day long, God's hands are outstretched. Today is the day. Now is the time. Repentance can happen in a blink of an eye, can it? I can change my direction. And Marine Corps taught me how to do an about face. It was not that hard. And there's been a number of times in my life where I'd like, I need to do an about face because the way I'm going, that's not God's way. And he's calling me to turn. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for the opportunity we have to study your word, to look at your word. And I pray, God, that that your word would be the absolute rule of our life. That's what the word of God says. I'm in or out. I'm with you or I'm not. If I'm with you, then the beginning of, of knowledge is to understand, and I need to do the things you're calling me to. I need to follow in obedience. I need to understand what your word teaches, what things you're calling me to, how you're asking me to live, how you're asking me to walk. I need to follow you because everything that you said to your disciples was the same. Hey, Jackie, come follow me. Matthew, come follow me. John, come follow me. God, I pray that that would be the cry of our heart that says, I want to follow you. My job on this earth is to follow Christ until I see Him, till I catch Him, till I look into His eye. And until that day, I follow Him. Because life is hard, but God is good. Because if I'm following Jesus, the road I'm on leads to life. And that life, that's what I want. I want the life of Christ burning in me. The light of Christ shining through my eyes. The love of Christ coming through my heart. The deeds of Christ being done through my hands. The path of Christ being walked with my feet. This is what it is to follow Him. This is what it is to bear the name Christ-like. Christian. God, I pray that You be glorified in this place as we set our sights on You. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> as soon as we finish up with this last song of worship, we're going to have a baptism tonight. So if you guys want to hang out with us, we're going to meet up by the tank. Uh, David will come on up after the song and, and we'll have a baptism. Amen.